Hello, friends. You ever listen? You ever listen to the Robcast, like Rob Bell's yes. podcast? Yes. Yeah. Hello, friends. I don't know <laughs> if he still does that. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, welcome to ADD Masterminds. I'm Bridge Live What. I'm the girl. <laughs> Bridge Live What and the girl. Yeah. I confuse people with the whole Bridge Live What thing. Like I, I, I keep getting like these emails from people that are like authors and they're like i'd like to be on your podcast and then i'll reply and i have like my signature from work that says john oh, howie oh yeah no, and not, so now i've you. like started putting john and then in quotation marks bridge levoit howie <laughs> and so hopefully that's less confusing i mean you confused me for a good long time and then i was like oh that's not his name and that's not who he is he's an actual person <laughs> it took a bit Ah, oh, so like we didn't like know each other when I switched to Bridge of Wad, hey? I think I, I think the first time I saw you, you were Bridge. Um, oh. Unless I followed you and didn't pay enough attention, and then you switched yeah. over. It but was Johnny Howe before. I was like, who's this weirdo? And <laughs> it turns out <laughs> you're a cool weirdo. So. <laughs> well, and and now like we have that whole twitter exodus i guess we'll just have to dive into twitter sure. now but um we have that whole like twitter exodus that's happened and um they're trying to like bring you know christian weird twitter onto mm. facebook and oh, so okay. yeah and so like there's you know people reaching out and adding people to this group which is i guess kind of a private group okay but um so somebody reached out to me and added me and I'm like, oh, people aren't going to know that I'm that the same person. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And so it's like I've sent like Facebook like friend requests to like a lot of people and they're like, I don't know who this is. And so like I totally get it. So but oh, I don't know. Funny. It's just kind of fun to separate my online persona yeah. from my real persona. I, I have such a hard time with that. And that was that was one of the big things that really got me off Twitter. Like my account is still there. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to use it again. Um, yeah. But I just, I couldn't leave stuff behind. You know, it was really bugging me. I was telling Twitter stories like they were real life. And yeah. I know that they're real people for the most part, but like, I don't know, I was complaining to somebody that I work with and I was like, somebody called me this and said that. And they were like, oh yeah. my gosh, who said that to you? That's terrible. And I had to think about it and go, I, I don't know who said that to me. Like it wasn't even somebody I follow. It wasn't somebody that follows me in my head. I can't come up with any kind of username or a picture. It just yeah. it's like, no, I don't know who said that to me. And I don't know why I can't leave that and just go, that's stupid and block and like move on. And I'm just not healthy enough to do that. So it just seemed like yeah. the better idea was just to go, you know what? I don't need it. I miss it for a couple of things, especially just knowing what's it's really easy to catch up on what's happening. You know, I miss like the trending page of like what's going on mm. or just searching really easily and getting a summary, but it just, it wasn't worth it. And then, you know, everybody was going, there was a whole bunch of blowups. I was like, I, I don't need this. I'll see, I'll leave the door open just in case, but for now it's just not, not worth the headache. So have you found it's like a lot better <clears throat> not being on there? I, it's been actually a little challenging and I'm, yeah. I'm confronting like my own, ego with how funny I think I am <laughs> with like <laughs> I'll think something and be like oh I'm gonna tweet that and I'm like no I can't mm -hmm. and then I was walking my dog thinking like oh I'm gonna tweet that no I can't and then just that oh no 
if I have this thought and I don't share it to like what 400 people, it's not that who, who even reads them anyway. If I don't get those yeah. six likes, is it really that funny? Did it really happen? You know, mm. not like I had an audience, but it was, it's weird to just be like, no, my thoughts are just in my head now. That's weird. You know, and just, I, I miss it. It's tough, but I think it's getting a little bit easier. Hmm. Your thoughts are just in your head now. Yeah. Like for me, it was like, I, cause like I take that like social media Sabbath every Sunday. And so for me, it's like when I have something, I'm like, oh, that's a funny thought or that's a deep thought. Okay. I'll just add it to my notes app. Okay. And use it later. But, oh, is that you do like, you've done like dumps. I feel like you'll get, you know, and then I'll get like uh, a bunch of tweets <laughs> in succession. That's got to be your like, at least the things I thought on Sunday. Like dumps. <laughs> that makes sense. I did notice. Yeah. Or I'm just, I don't know. I get into this pattern where my brain just does that. Okay. It's yeah. Maybe a sign of mental illness. <laughs> Who knows? I'm working on it. I'm working on, you know, getting into therapy and stuff. Cause I, I think like the biggest thing for me is boundaries and learning mm -hmm. how to um, be willing to inconvenience other people. Mm, I hate okay. inconveniencing other people. I'd rather just adapt to things. Okay. And I think that results in a certain amount of resentment maybe. And mm -hmm. I think that's how I was acting out on my troll account is there was mm -hmm. resentment and I mean, like, I never would attack somebody who's vulnerable, you know, like, right. it's not, it's more, I was trying to attack people that deserved it, which okay. is a messed up thing to do, too. Sure. It's like, I was trying to bully the bullies, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, and that doesn't help things. And right. I found that, like, getting rid of that has made me have to confront people as Bridge Lavoie, if I really need to say something to someone, I'll confront them as Bridge Lavoie. And I've also realized that that's also can become unhealthy too. And I'm realizing like, if somebody says something that's like awful and I give my pushback and they'll never respond to it anyways, or their <laughs> followers will respond and it'll get mm. nasty. Mm. It's like, I don't know, this isn't beneficial at all. Yeah. And so I've, I'm getting better too at using the mute button because I'm like, yeah. I'm, I just feel like there's people, like there's a difference between talking at each other and having a conversation. Yes. Yes. And I'm realizing there are people in my life that just want to talk at, mm -hmm. and those people I'm currently muting on Twitter. Because okay. I'm like, there's no point in us continuing this conversation. Mm -hmm. Because like, I, I have no interest in being like you. Mm. And you clearly have no interest in being like me. So why yeah. are we even talking back and forth? There's the difference between the people who want to have a conversation and the yeah. people who want to make a speech. And I feel like 90%, if not more, is just, no, I just want to make a speech about it. I don't want to actually connect and and share you know just want to project yeah and i mean it was interesting too because like there was a um there's like one of those militant kind of atheist people which i think when i was a lot more conventional in my faith they would have really bothered me but i mean they posted some passage that was like really messed up right okay. and i was just like yeah i can't explain that i don't 
want to explain that. Right. But I still believe in God. Yeah. And so we kind of went back and forth, you know, as to what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think <clears throat> the other thing, too, is that like, and I don't know if this is a toxic trait or a healthy thing, but I'm like, I refuse to, um, I refuse to defend myself. I'm not going to like defend my character mm-hmm. against someone else. I'm like, my character should speak for itself. And I think, like, I think it stems from, I, I like this, I'm just doing my own psychoanalysis here. Hey, go for it. I think it stems from like, I read this book um, called The Road to Character, and it really shifted the way I look at ego. Um, And it's like, um, the greatest generation, which I love, I just, I don't know why we romanticize them so much, but they were just like, they went through a lot of stuff. Sure. And um, they're, they had a lot of wisdom. And so kind of that mentality that they were raised with was don't talk about yourself. And, mm. um, and so like, like George W. Bush or no George H. Bush, when he would do like speeches, his mother would like, yes, listen to his speech and be like, George, you were talking about yourself again. <laughs> yeah. And so he would always like get his speech writer to cross out anything that referenced I. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I love that notion that it's like, I don't talk about myself. I let other people talk about me if they're going to talk about me. And so if people are going to go out there and accuse me of horrible things, I like to think that I carry myself in such a way that people aren't going to believe that anyways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that's what you you have to, you know, you can't control how you're perceived, but only how you're presented. And if you're presenting yourself well, you know, no one's going to believe this BS that comes out from, from somewhere else. And I think that's really, yeah. And I think more than anything else, like without getting political, Jordan Peterson, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson was a guy that I, I found so intriguing at first, you know, because he was like a psychologist that was talking about, um, the Bible in terms of like archetypes and stuff like that mm. and like what we can learn. And like at one point he said something so brilliant. It was kind of like he said that um, there are like black and white truths, like the world is round or sure. gravity. Like those are things that yeah. we can articulate well and mm-hmm. we can just say that's a fact. That's not a fact. And then he's like, but there's like, there's like kind of like dreamlike realities, like things that we can't totally grasp. And he's like, for that, we need art to illustrate. Mm. And I was like, that is so brilliant. But the moment he got on Twitter (laughs) and he just started defending himself continuously, I saw the kind of person that the road road to character speaks against. Okay. And it's like, so much of his Twitter feed was him attacking him attacking, you know, because he was being attacked. Right. And there was kind of a shift that happened in his persona and his politics has become everything he's against is this. And when he talks about people like me, he starts assigning 
you know, motivations that are not yeah. what my motivation is at all. Uh, yes. Yeah. And he's lost me completely. Uh -huh. And it's like, people still want to defend him as this great thinker and everything like that. And I'm like, I just don't see it anymore. I saw it at one time, but I don't see it anymore. Yeah. And so maybe it's because I've changed too, but okay. it's like, whatever it is, it's just like, he and I don't jive anymore. And right. actually this gets me into kind of our first topic that I go. was going to do geniuses. Oh, I'm like, I think geniuses are overrated. Tell me why. Tell me why bridge. <laughs> so I was, um, I, I, I heard that Chris Hemsworth said that he refuses to work with the genius deck director ever again. And I think he was, he was referencing Taika Waititi. Okay. And I'm like, okay, that Thor Ragnar or Thor or whatever. I can't remember what it was called, but I'm that Thor movie. I'm behind on all of them. So I can't help. I'm behind on all of them. Oh, I okay. cannot help. Anyways, it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I love Taika Waititi. But I was like, that got me thinking, okay, so he refuses to work with him. And I'm like, working with geniuses does suck, doesn't it? Because you think about it, it's like we could list other people, um, you know, Kanye West. We could talk about, um, sure. you know, because people have assigned him genius, sta genius. status. I would say that um, Elon Musk is another one of those. Right. Where it's like mm -hmm. he was assigned genius status. And it's like the moment you get assigned genius status, it's like you can't control this person. Like they're a genius. Okay. Everything they do is brilliant. So who are you to question mm -hmm. their process? Yeah. And it's like, can who can work with that? Like you just have to fall in line with whatever their vision is. Right. And it's like, I mean, we, does yeah. does too much of any type of power corrupt? I mean, this genius is either artistic or intelligent power, whether you're a tech yeah. genius or an art genius, you know, uh, too much money, too much political power. Like, it, it does, is that all, is it that too much of any one type of power corrupts? Or is that just the type of people that end up in the forefront and go a little crazy? Well, I think, okay, so like, yeah, the power is one thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, theological power is another one too. It's like, no, you don't understand. I'm a theological mm -hmm. genius. I know right, I cheated right. on my wife or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah. but I, I need to get back because I have a calling because I'm mm -hmm. a genius. It's like, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, the power um, so and the that's, pressure. Yeah, so that, I mean, that power, but I think it's also buying into this identity as being a genius. It's like, is that really the person you want to be friends with? Like you can't have right. a normal conversation. And it's like, and I think mm -hmm. I'm realizing like, as I understand like how, you know, we, I got away from small talk and I hated small talk, small talk. I'm too good for small talk, but it's like, can you just be a normal person? Right, right. And it's like, can yeah. you, you know, stoop down low with the normal people? The normals. Yeah, yeah. And just like say, yeah, let's talk about the weather. Let's talk mm -hmm. about sports. Let's, because it's like, these people get like a sort of God complex. And I guess that is where the power comes in. 
it's like as soon as you start being told, you know, that what you said is brilliant. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't imagine like being told that all the time. Like that's right. gotta mess with you. And then when someone yeah. questions you, you're like, well, clearly, clearly this person is just dumb. <laughs> right. And it's like, huh. that's such a dangerous space to be. Yeah. And it's like, we need somehow to get our geniuses to like, at least play human so that, you know, we can actually have a conversation with them and say, like, look, like, this is nuts. Like, what you're doing is insane. They've got to just feel elevated into that, like, no, I'm a genius at this. I definitely know best. So we're going to do this my way, you know, in that they all just parent everybody else. Just they're in charge. Yeah, they parent everybody else. And then I think, like, it's just not a great relationship for anybody. And so I guess maybe that, and I... I don't I don't think Bridge Livewatt is a genius. Um I think that like it's just an artistic thing and it's an artistic expression and sometimes it's smart and sometimes it's just incoherent mm-hmm. but it's just stuff that I'm putting out there. And I don't want to say Bridge Livewatt is real. It's just a thing that I put out there that Right maybe insightful or maybe funny but at times too it's just gonna be like nonsensical and that's just what bridge does right and so but what my friends and what my family needs is john howie right and i think like maybe for like an elon musk or a jordan peterson or a taika watiti um I don't know. I don't know if they have that dichotomy mm-hmm. and whether there is a down to earth version of who they are, but I just think there's a danger in the label genius. Yeah. Hmm. There's a danger. Yeah. There's a danger in the label pastor. It's the same thing. It's like, oh. is there a space where you're just a person <clears throat> and yeah. people can talk to you? and relate to you and be loved by you as a person and not as a pastor. I have not ever had a, a pastor that's as approachable as our, our current pastor that Mm -hmm. I love having, love having him. Um, This is a ridiculous offshoot, but our dog is still a puppy. He can't be alone for a long time. We live like over a toll bridge from the church and they were like, do you just want him to hang out in our office and, and he can, you know, chew his bone and bark in there. And then that you guys don't have to go back and forth over the, like, so they're just the sweetest people. They've helped us move. But like the, the pastor that I had growing up came down to service late. So he didn't have to talk to people. Like he was two songs in and he left early and went to his office. So he didn't have to talk to people. And he just was not someone that, I mean, approachable doesn't seem like the right word, even. He just, he was truly the man behind the curtain. Um, We went to a slightly smaller church and it seemed better. And then just after we left, it had gotten bigger and bigger. And they were like basically raffling off a chance to go have a golf game with this pastor. Like you should be able to call him if you want to go golf and just set a time. It doesn't have to be like, hey, guess what? You get to golf with so-and-so and like, yeah. It, 
they're supposed to be down there. And, and my mom loved to go into the history of like shepherds that stood with the sheep and slept there in the pastures. And then they started using dogs and then they started cattle ranching. And then more likely these days in bigger places that shepherds will shout from helicopters. And you see that progression with pastors as well. Like that, huh. that similarity as what Jesus called them for pastoring the sheep and, and shepherding the sheep. And it totally went the same way as people who used to just stay there with the sheep and then people who are just kind of hollering out of a out of a helicopter at them. Wow. Pastor pastor drives me crazy. Um, my kids go to a, a church school and they like to call that pastor of the school and the church pastor. We don't go to that church. Yeah. But I'm just like, just don't. Like, can you call him Reverend Kelly? Can you call him Pastor Kelly? Like, can you not? I don't call my pastor pastor i'll call him pastor first name pastor last name if i feel like it but i'll also call him by his first name which was such taboo when i was growing up but i just i don't like it i don't go in and call my dentist dentist like i i'll call them doctor something but i just it it gives me such a shudder to not use somebody's name and just to call them pastor i i'm just not into it well and that's interesting too because like we talk about like um the word expert. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do all of the political stuff today. Oh, um, let's get it out. But like, it's like, I, I think the word expert has become such a like hot button word. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing where we elevate people to the level of expert. And I, I love this. I, I just read this book. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's about like, I think it's a epistemological 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 crisis. Ooh, okay. Ooh, I nailed that. Yeah, um, first try. <laughs> uh, now spell it, please. <laughs> no. No. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Bertrand Rush Russell. This is a quote, <laughs> and it's like. The skepticism that I advocate amounts only to this, that when the experts are agreed, the opposite opinion cannot be held to be certain, which I'm like, okay, well, that's fair. So all the experts agree. Well, then we can't say, well, the opposite of what they're saying is certain. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I think... I think we can all agree with that that okay. when they are not agreed no opinion can be regarded as certain by a non-expert huh so it's like okay so we've got mixed information from the experts and it's like you can't say well i side with this expert and i'm certain of it okay it's like okay yep i agree with that too that when they all hold that no sufficient grounds for a positive outcome exist, the ordinary man would do well to suspend his judgment. So if the experts are like, hmm, yeah. well, then the ordinary person should be like, hmm. Mm. <sighs> and so I think like it's like, and maybe this is what it is, is like when we talk about geniuses, when we talk about pastors, when we talk about all these things, it's like, okay, um, let's affirm 
that when these people are all kind of in agreement that it's like, okay, well, it's ridiculous for me to say, no, they're definitely wrong. <laughs> like, who am I? Right. Um, now, when they have mixed kind of thoughts on things, right? When there's kind of mixture of different things that experts are saying, I can't just pick one expert and say, I 100% agree with them. With That's guy. not yeah. logical. It's like, who am I to judge one expert over another? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the experts are saying there's not a real answer, it's like, well, I do well to kind of submit to that and just be like, yeah, I'm not, I guess there's no answer. Right. Uh-huh. And so I think, so and I think what happens with these geniuses, with these pastors, with because I, I feel like what's happening more than anything else is like there's just cult followings, yes. you know, like there's just these people who, you know, podcasters, um, I won't name any names because this would okay. get very political very fast. Yes. But there's podcasters that just clearly have a cult following. Yes. And I would say Elon Musk has a cult following, too. Um, sure. And it's just kind of like, okay, but is there an equivalent, you know, to that person that's saying different things? And it's like, there is. Like, there are other people who know as much Mm -hmm. as he does about engineering who are saying, this is crazy town. Yeah. Right? And it's like, okay. Okay. So, like, for me, in my opinion, right, my opinion on this whole thing is that, okay, like, we've got a guy who has not run, did not build this social media company from the ground and is coming in and is doing a bunch of things in the name of efficiency and in the name of, you know, striking down a lot of political stuff that he disagrees Mm -hmm. with, right? Without getting political, right? So he's done all of that. He plans on doing all of that, but like, I don't even know who's done this before. Has anybody even done this before where they came in and just did a big shakeup with the social media company and fixed everything? No, I mean, I, not that I can. Yeah. Nothing I could think of, not on this scale. So, I mean, like, okay. So I look at this and I'm like, okay, well, I think there are, there's just no precedence. Mm-hmm. So for people, for people to say, for sure, this is going to fail. Or to say, for sure, this is going to work. I think it violates what Bertrand Russell is saying. Ah, okay. Huh. And so I oh, think no, it's I it, think. it's so much like, and I, I think that this is like a folk tale. I, I used to always credit um, Max Licato with this because he has it in one of his books. Mm-hmm. But it's like this old man and the horse. You ever heard this story where there's an old man and he's got this horse I'm going to butcher the story, but I'm going to, I'm just going to roll with it. Okay. So there's an old man, he's got a horse and um, everyone's like, Hey dude, like you should, you can barely feed your son. Like you should sell the horse so that you can feed your son. And he just, he holds onto the horse anyways, even though everyone's advising him to do that. And the horse runs away Mm. and everyone's like, see, like, we knew right. this would happen. Now you can't even feed your son. And, but the horse comes back with a whole bunch of other horses. Mm. And it's like, oh, 
it's Sorry. it's a blessing it's a right. blessing you held on to that horse and and you've been blessed now and you've got all these other horses huh. and so then um his son goes out and he's like breaking these horses and his son falls off of one of the horses breaks his leg and everyone's like oh it's a curse it's a curse you had all these horses but like your son went out i mean maybe mm. your son shouldn't have been breaking horses maybe he's not experienced um it's a curse Mm. And then uh, World War One starts up and they're drafting all these men. Uh, His son doesn't go to war and everyone's like, oh, it's yeah. a blessing. And the old man just kind of looks at them and it's like, when will you guys learn? Mm. And so I think that there's like, I love that tale because it's just got so much wisdom in the ways of like, why are we, why are we so quick to evaluate things? Right. Yeah. And I guess part of it is like having a certain amount of self-esteem vested in being right about things. Yeah. And it's like yeah. you build your whole, like it's building your house on sinking sand because it's just kind of like, well, I get, I get a rush whenever I'm right about stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just something, if that's something we're conditioned to do, like people are conditioned to do, or if it's something that, is just an inherent personality type because it's like when something bad happens to someone that I told them, if you don't do this, this will happen. Right. There is nothing in me that wants to say, I told you so. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because I've seen so many people do the whole, I told you th so thing mm. and I can see how counterproductive it is. Or if it's just something that's just not in me, but I'm like, Oh, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's people that I would definitely be like, I, I, I think it has to do with how much I necessarily care for them or maybe how close yeah. I am that I'd be like, I mean, did tell you that that wasn't good. Maybe you'll listen next time. And that's a parenting thing as well. You know, I and guess, I try yeah. not to do that too much. And then there's people that it just would break my heart and just, you know, just be yeah. like, maybe to myself, you know, I wish that whatever it would more make me sad than like oh I was right about that one you know it depends on my relationship to the person I think yeah and I mean and that's something I think a lot of people reject mm -hmm. on to me like okay. it's like because like I'm honestly you know I'm like okay look I I don't like what's going on on Twitter and people are like what there's nothing wrong with it and I'm like okay well if there's nothing if you see nothing wrong that's because it's not happening to you and you don't yes. care about the people that it is happening to. Yeah. And I got kind of like, oh, so if we don't see things your way, then you don't care about people. And it's like, this has nothing to do with me. That ain't it. Yeah. Like this has nothing to do with me, but it's interesting that you would go straight there mm. because I get the sense that you think that that is the only reason why someone would get angry mm. is like, if you don't think the way I do, I will be angry at you because I'm better than you. And I'm like, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. Right. I'm just saying like, you're missing something here. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care who wins this. I just want these people to not be hurt. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to wrap my mind around. And I mean, I guess it's like whether it's like an inherent, you know, like 
being an empath, is that an inherent thing or is that something you hone? Because I, I remember, you know, like years ago, who I'd say like 10 years ago or something like that. I was just like, I'm not empathetic enough. I need to be more empathetic. Okay. And I was working at it. And now I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, okay, I feel everything and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I and close that door over a little bit? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm like, I need to learn that. And I don't know how to learn that. And I, I feel like it's like, I'm always on the verge of just being overwhelmed. Like, it's mm -hmm. just like, I need to shut everything off. I'm not yeah. healthy enough to handle things. And I'm like thinking, that's not normal, is it? I don't, I think it's common, but not normal. Like a lot mm. of us with the compassion fatigue. Yeah get a lot and I think that yeah it's it's commonplace but I think it's hard to set up the boundary of like there was just that that shooting um you know yeah. there's all the time but there was yeah. you know shooting recently and it's just it's hard to not just go Ugh, another one and that sucks or yeah. I, I either have to go like that sucks and say a little prayer and pray over my kids when they go into school and move along or I'm gonna sit and be upset about this for days. And me sitting in alone doesn't help them and it doesn't help me, you know, but that it's it's one or I don't know what the proper, you know, response is. It's one or the other. And yeah, yeah the fatigue of just caring so much about everything. It's it's a lot. Yeah. It's exhausting. And I've definitely had to kind of put like, all right, these things are are this far out from me and my personal cluster of people so I I have to reserve you know all this compassion energy for things that are a little bit closer like my my feelings are there I feel bad but there's and I don't see it necessarily so much as protecting me but if I'm drained I can't care when my my kid is sick I can't care yeah. when they're bullied I can't care when my dad's getting surgery like it's it's reserves you know setting up those those reserves for for those that are closer well, and that's kind of that dichotomy again, right? Because yeah. it's like, there's kind of like this superhero that goes out there and looks and, and feels the pain of that community that was yeah. attacked. And, you know, will challenge people online and say, you don't sound like Jesus right now. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's like your family, like if first and foremost, if that's taken away from what you yeah. can give to your family, it's like, well, you're outside of your, you know, it's like Superman, Clark Kent. It's like Clark mm -hmm. Kent. You need enough Clark Kent yeah. <laughs> to take care of your family. And I, I think that's, that's what I'm learning. And it's like, mm -hmm. and it's not, as far as I can tell, what I'm doing isn't just performative. And I think that's yeah. something that people will accuse me of all the time. Is like, oh, you're just saying this so people think you're compassionate. I'm like, no, I'm saying this because it bothers me that these people are hurting. Yeah. And it bothers me that you don't care or you don't seem to care that these people are hurting. Right. And I guess, and I, I've seen a couple of shows, like I'm, I'm watching, <clears throat> um, Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. and um also, that's exhausting it is exhausting yeah. show to watch and peaky blinders and mm, that's good um i think two back to lost mm. 
Lost in particular is the one that I'm thinking about right now. I haven't listened to, I haven't watched Lost in a while, but there was something in one of the shows I was watching that reminded me of this moment in Lost where there's like this guy who killed like, I want to say like five, let's say five to 10 people, but Mm -hmm. he killed five to 10 people because he wanted to protect his child. Yes. And I'm like, huh. Like, what in our humanity does that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I understand I care more about my child. And I think of war in the same way, too, where it's just kind of like, we need to kill all these guys. Otherwise, they're going to kill our guys. Right. And I'm like, okay, so now we're assigning value to lives. To lives. saying, mm-hmm. well, my child's life is worth five to ten of these guys' lives. Yeah. And... And I think that's a big part of what's happening, you know, socially when an event like this happens, there's a certain amount of people that are like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I could say I care about this community, but I don't want to say that I care too much about this community because I'm scared that if I, you know, am kind to this community and I affirm Mm -hmm. this community, there's a chance that my child could become part of that community. Okay. Yeah. And so they're willing to allow this kind of stuff to continue to protect their children. Hmm. But it's like, okay, but like, you don't know, like opening the door of possibility to your child is different from, you know, grooming. Yeah. Like we're saying like, look, I'm just going to accept you as you are, like whatever that is. Right. And to say oh, that, yeah. no, I'm going to raise my kids and tell them this is not a possibility. Mm-hmm. And when you raise your kids telling them this is not a possibility, your kids will be those people that are going around telling people this is not a possibility, right. which alienates yeah. you know, the people for which they're like, I don't fit yeah. like who I am what I want doesn't fit. Yeah. So what do I do with that? Like, where do I go with that? Should I just not exist? And that's where all this is going. It's like, these people should not exist. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. And so out of fear of my child becoming the other, I am going to not give any pushback Mm. on this narrative. And so I think that like it's out of compassion for their children that all of this is like just we're not going to we're not going to yeah. mourn with you. And it's like and Ugh. it's the same mentality. Like it's the Maybe. same thing where it's yeah. like my child's life is worth more than these 5 to 10 people. Ugh. Nope, I hate it all. <laughs> I know. I uh I yeah. Uh no, I, I just, I want living kids who are, are happy and accepted mm-hmm. and just, and just who they are and honest with themselves and honest yeah. with each other and, and just to be safe. You know, I just want safe kids. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that it's, um it's a lot to walk through too. Like kind of a religious upbringing tells mm-hmm. you a lot about like denying your body. um Yeah. And that's something I think like I have been learning so much about like what 
you know, your emotions are diagnostic, you know, they're not emotions are data, not directives. Yes. yes. But it's like, okay, but like for emotions to be data, you actually need to sit with them. Mm-hmm. And you need to stop just saying the heart is deceitful above all else. I'm going to ignore that. Right? right. It's like, okay, hold on though. No, no, no. You need to dig deep. You need to dig deep and figure out where these emotions are coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, well, let's figure out what's going wrong here. But I think like kind of our religious upbringing says, no, no, no. You need to fit this mold. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to be. This is how you need to do it. This is what you know, your gender, what the expectations of your gender is. Right. And I'm like, and I don't know, I don't think that the expectations of gender actually fit anyone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we could just figure out how to just let people be people and work their own thing out. Right. Like do what you're good at and what you enjoy. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and I, I think that there's a lot to be learned from each other, but like, there's just no conversation between the sides because it's like, everyone's kind of indoctrinated with, you know, whatever, whatever label they've been given. I mean, how much of our large scale problem is just people repressing something of who they're supposed to be or what's Mm. just naturally in them you know anything from like the fidgety kid who's like yeah I got a big personality and I got to move and I got to do stuff like to people who are struggling with being honest about their identities and and who they want to love and stuff like that that just the constant having to mask and fake has to be exhausting but like whether it's big or little that's that's all that repression it's not healthy you know like just don't be violent just be good are there legit people that don't mask babies that's it yeah because i you know i was thinking today about like when i was a kid i had this huge smile Mm -hmm. and there's photos of it and i used to just cringe so much seeing that smile yeah because at some point in my life i was bullied out of smiling like that Mm -hmm. and there's this guy on twitter and he's got the most like huge grin ever he now grew a beard he's got this yeah. red beard he's got this red hair and he's a comedian and his smile it's like it's that kid's smile and i'm like mm-hmm. he kept it like yeah. good for him and it's like i don't know why like and i think i wouldn't be interested to find out if there were like some kind of statistics that showed how many of those children with the big cheesy grins yeah. were bullied out of it by their parents because their parents were like ah oh, your friends like the kids at school are gonna bully you so i'm gonna pre-bully you before mm-hmm. you get bullied and it's just like something as simple as that now we can cover a whole bunch of things that people yeah. will say biblically this is what it says but it's like i just think like it's like why can't we just let people work their own things out and just love them as they see themselves, as long as they're not going around hurting other people. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I feel like Christianity or evangelicalism kind of looks at things and says, you know, like, we're more concerned about the smile 
than we are about the fact that you hit that other kid. Yes. And it's yeah. like, I, why? And they're just like, well, there's not forgiveness. There's no forgiveness for that kind of smile. Mm-hmm. But there is forgiveness for hitting the other kid. Yeah. And they always will side with the bully and will mm-hmm. always want to restore the bully and allow the bully to continue <sighs> to bully the kid for smiling. Yes. And I'm like, why are we like this? And I get it, you know, like saying, well, we're going to cancel this person because they bullied the kid that was smiling. It's like, okay, I get that at some point you guys want restoration. And I think that's something that Christianity could offer the world is a way of actually restoring people that do horrible things. But it's like, we're too quick to that. And I guess there's no... Can we slow down to the pace of people's healing? Can we slow down to the pace oh. of people's mourning oh, and just yeah. allow the pros? Because everything is like, if you really believe in God, we all have a blueprint in us. We all have a natural way of being. So let's, can we let that process happen and trust God instead of trying to enforce all these mm. structures and saying, this is how you're supposed to be? Yeah. It's heavy. This is a lot. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> like I'm gonna need to think and come back for part two or something. Like that's there's so much today. We brought a lot to the Thanksgiving table. The American. Oh Thanksgiving. yeah, yeah, American Thanksgiving. Yeah, we that's did right. Thanksgiving six weeks ago. I think someone that's on Twitter did. I didn't even so cool. like. Yeah, I didn't even look it up. I actually had a friend in uh, Marco Polo that's like, does uh does Canada have something like Thanksgiving? I'm like, we have Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I like that it's early because then I can be, I could, if I was Canadian, be Christmassy all through November without people giving me crap about things. Yeah. Well, we have a Remembrance Day on November 11th. And so okay. like people are like, oh, well, respect the veterans by not putting your Christmas decorations up. And are they coming into your house and feeling disrespected, John? <laughs> like- yeah. I was <laughs> like, well, you know, the veterans do hate Christmas. So... <laughs> such a yeah. bad joke i'm sorry uh i cackled the i'm whole, taking like, you off of the whole thing, war but... thing is like a whole thing because i i'm like and again yeah political but um i uh i asked a question in a very kind of progressive group mm-hmm. you know i asked i i don't know how i feel about you know veterans and war okay. you know people are always like that guy wears a uniform he's a hero and i'm like i i i don't know I don't know what they did mm-hmm. over in Afghanistan. Did they, how many children did they kill? Right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm like, yeah. and it's, it's, it's huge thing. Like I, I couldn't do their job, Sure. but I'm like, I don't know how I feel about their job or what the, you know, initiative is. And mm-hmm. people always say freedom comes at a price. And it's like, so we sent people over to Afghanistan so that we could have freedom. Like, I, I don't right. make the connection. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I have such a weird feeling on on veterans and and war and um, yeah. being patriotic. I'm glad that word came to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the idea that the church I grew up in, we always did a big summer, I guess, a big summer musical, a big summer show, Celebrate America. And it was great. And it was the founding of yeah. the country and freedom. And it was all whitewashed history. But there was so much support for the veterans, um, 
during like the big act break number was you know thanking everybody from the different you know like branches of the military and my mom's big concern and it passed to me is like well how many of these people are we like kind of sending this message that because you served and we do thank you for that you know especially in the the world wars and things like that that we're just because you signed up you've done enough and that's salvation for you like you can be a hero, but like we equated so much patriotism and Christianity together. And I think Americans do that in general. Like not everybody in the military is a good Christian. Not everybody is a good Christian wants to have this violent um, history and this violent um, side of themselves to go off and do these things. Um, and I have many veterans in my family and friends and, mm. you know, they've made these decisions and I appreciate it. My, um, my, my, husband's side of the family has some some great amazing war stories um but the it's murky at best to me because i i'm not a historian but i'd love to go into like well how many of these wars needed to be fought in the first place well it's interesting what came too. out of them like was it worth yeah. it and we just don't know we can't turn the clock back yeah. but in the book uh, jesus untangled um mm. keith giles argues none of them none there's not no such thing as a just war. And he's like, for example, World War II, people always want to use World War II. And it's like, of we course. had to. And he's like, well, <clears throat> the German military was fueled by, and I, I, I can't remember what oil company it is. I probably shouldn't mm-hmm. say it anyways. But there was a specific oil company. I think it might have been Standard Oil. There, okay. I said it. I think it was Standard Oil. He said it, not me. Yeah. Don't sue me. <laughs> Um, and, um, they supplied jet fuel to Mm. the German military and that basically fueled everything they did Mm. literally. And he's like, what would have happened if they just cut their fuel supply? Uh, And I was like, that's fascinating. uh, But, um, so yeah. So anyways, I came through like in a Facebook group, I started asking these questions and it was surprising to me how many progressives were still very like pro-military. Sure. Um, but in the end, I arrived at this conclusion and I'm like, freedom is bought at a price, but that price is not just our soldiers. Yeah. The price is our soldiers, their soldiers, their right. civilians, our civilians. Yeah. And it's like everybody suffers from war mm-hmm. because you get these people that come back to your country that are not the same. And it's like there's possibility of domestic abuse or losing someone, sure. you know, because they just can't handle life anymore. Yeah. Right. And there's just there's a lot there. And so it's like it's a messy, messy thing. And so I always have mixed feelings about it. And I'm not even sure how to say, well, thank you because i don't know what they did (laughs) and so yeah but enough with the heaviness i'm sorry yeah we're very heavy and very cerebral for a bit here oh by the way one of my favorite things i learned too in my other podcast the wax museum i did an episode with carl and laura forehand and they talk about cerebral listening versus contemplative listening And it's like cerebral listening is where I listen to you, Mm -hmm. but I want to feel smart the whole time. (laughs) 
<laughs> and okay. so I'm like, the only questions I'm asking are ones to like make me look smart. You mm -hmm. know, it's all very, but it's like, but contemplative listening is where you're actually trying to get the person to fully flush out their thoughts. Okay. And you're just asking for more understanding. I was like, that's really cool. Huh. All right. I like that. Something light. Something Mariah light. Carey. Mariah Carey. She's thawing. She like, okay, so she tried to trademark the term Queen of Christmas. Okay. But here's the thing. She only has one Christmas song, and it's not that great. Again, he said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a, a whole album, possibly two. I grew up on these. Mm. Um, I Miss You Most at Christmas Time is a good one. Can't think of any others that might even yeah. possibly I be original. you made that song up. I did not. I will send it to you. I don't have access to the show notes, but I'm going to put them in anyway. Oh my gosh. I'll, if I wasn't sick, I'd sing a few bars and we'd get kicked off. But um, she does an Oh Holy Night. She does a Jesus, What a Wonderful Child. I know those are not originals, but. Okay, like, okay. It's so, played. Like, it's played, the, but. Okay, like, so I still feel like, okay, so maybe One Hit Wonder is an excessively okay. Jimmy kind of take on that. <laughs> yeah but um you think that there would be someone who's more well-rounded to be the queen of christmas like amy grant even like she's got i think a few more songs although i don't know if amy grant's christmas is as big she's in got... secular circles yeah i know she's got like three christmas records um yeah the funny thing is if someone were to be like who is the queen of queen of christmas i'd be like oh candace cameron beret she's in all those christmas like hallmark movies that's got to be her right and then no it's mariah carey um ew hmm. but ew okay. but yeah i don't watch them i'm oh, not okay. into it um, I, I know people who are though and i really i need to get better at letting people enjoy things right like let them enjoy it whatever yeah. i i gave it a shot i i just can't do the i've tried i can't do the hallmark whatever it's just not interesting enough for me and, and no i think that's blackness in my soul that i need like more <laughs> shattered glass and explosions to be interested in something well but, and, uh, and i i mean and no shade to people who like <clears throat> mariah carey too sure. i just it was very it seemed very like presumptuous to say i want to trademark queen of christmas i'm like huh. it's like another genius yeah. thing going on there i think i mean i don't um, think i've ever heard her called the queen of christmas so it's not yeah. like she's been called this all the time and it's time for her to uh to take that crown i don't think so i know she tours and sings it well it's kind of like a certain guy trying to coin the phrase you're fired <laughs> That's a trademark. Did that? He didn't get that, right? No. I can't imagine. Okay. I <laughs> could you, you know, imagine? I used to watch it's like that. how much would you have to pay every time you fire somebody? Like, like you five dollars no longer work here. Like, yeah, just you can't actually fire anybody anymore. I forgot that that happened. <laughs> oh the, the absurdity. Voldemort. Um <laughs> all right. Okay, so this was like, I don't even know where I got this from. 
but it's like you can't cling to any blame that you may be using to make sense of the story of your life. So when we're talking about like, Mm. what makes sense of my story of my life is this person ruined my career mm-hmm. and I'm okay now, but this person ruined my career. Okay. It's actually a true story, but anyways, um, it can become a way to justify why you are the way you are. And in doing so, it can justify you staying the same. Mm-hmm. I, I, any, I feel like this goes around a lot when like people talk about the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs that it once it's, well, I'm this way because then it turns into, and I'm this way forever. Yeah. And that's just it. Yeah. And I think that was a valuable part, even in when I was in therapy of coming up with reasons why, and then come, you know, confronting, do I stay that way? Like yeah. now that I know where it comes from, can yeah. I move past that? Can I do something yeah. else? Can I grow differently? Um, and yeah, once you assign, nope, this is this is how it is, and this is why, you know, everything can change. I mean, unless it's a physical whatever, you know, but I was about to go off into something weird, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfectly us. But um <laughs> yeah, no, once you start assigning this is why, and then it just it sticks. That I like that. That makes sense. Yeah, and I mean there's been a series of unfortunate events that have led me to where I am here. And I think, honestly, anybody who has hurt me, I really think that they thought they were doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at least that's the story I tell myself. It's like they thought they were doing the right thing. And it's like, OK, sure. right. And so it's like I can forgive them for that. And I I'm mean, like, it, I'm OK now anyways. And it's right. like so long ago, like who cares anymore? the percentage of people that have to be actually out to get you or to get anyone and do something mean or harmful just because they want to be mean or harmful has to be small. I mean, I think most people have at least good intentions or think that they're doing it for a good intention and have drastically misread it. But I, yeah, the amount of people that are going to actually go and be like, I'm going to go be mean and ruin this and sabotage, that has to be smaller than we think, I would hope. Yeah, well, I, and I guess I'm a person who generally gives people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, like, the worst person I can think of, you know, right now, public figure mm-hmm. that I won't name. Okay. I really believe that that person grew up with a father that was impossible to please. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's his whole existence is like, okay, daddy, you proud of me now? Right. Hey daddy, are you right. proud of me now? Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Like that's, I feel sad for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, I'm very, I'm very blessed that I'm not in that position. Like, I'm right. like, I'm, I don't know if I need to impress anybody. I'm just going to yeah. do what I do. And I'm I'm so fortunate that I've come to this point. And I don't I don't think it makes me a better person. Mm-hmm. I just feel very fortunate. And I mean, I, I think a lot of things it's just kind of like, well, I'm fortunate that I already have this temperament to be the way I am, but I've also worked at being a better version of that, and I'm going to mm-hmm. continue to work on being a better version of yeah. that. Like, I think that's kind of it. 
Yeah. And I think there's other people that just don't know how to be that. And I'm sure there's people that know how to be better than I am too. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So many people I look up to. So many, but better, but maybe not a better you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, what's helpful too, is like when we can actually look at our own like uniqueness, there's no comparison. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I don't think there's anybody that does exactly what I do. So I don't really compare myself to anyone else. So I don't think too much about it. A uh, industrial hygienist, musician, podcaster. You're the only one with that bio that I know of. <laughs> Maybe there's another one. I don't know. But, um, all right. So I, I, um, I'm really like the ADD master list is a lot of old stuff now. Okay. I guess I haven't been adding stuff to it that much, but um, it actually means maybe we'll get to the bottom of it one day. Someday. Um, but uh, Rob Bell, I remember he said that. You know, we talk a lot about like within Christianity about surrendering yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but he proposed that we need to learn to surrender others. Mm. And so there's people in your life like it's like, okay, so there are things that I can't control in my own life. And I need to surrender and just surrender to the divine and say, okay, well, I can't control this. Lord, you're in control. And it's like, so that's something we learn to do for ourselves. But to do that for others is a whole different thing. And yeah, I need to be preached at about this. <laughs> Maybe this is the answer to my empathy problem. It's like, no, 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 no. Whenever I'm overwhelmed, just like I would be overwhelmed for my own situation, and I just like, just pray, let go and pray. For other people's situations now, it's like, just let go and pray. Yeah. Oh, that's so rough though. It's so hard to do. We we need to be in control. I I automatically see my kids when it's like, no, just let go and pray for them. No. No, I have to control it and keep them safe. Well, and parenting too is like a series of steps of letting go, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like as they get older, you know, it's like I know like, you know, the first three or four years, you're just definitely on like suicide watch the whole time. <laughs> the whole it's like, time. oh, there's that corner of that cabinet. Yep. Got to watch that. Yep. Right. Um, but it's like, <laughs> as they get older, you, you have to let go more and more and just be like, okay, well, I don't know where my 18 year old is right now, but that's okay. Like yep. he's, a, he's a big boy. <laughs> it's gotta be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh yeah. So another concept I was thinking about too, is like when your opponent's house is burning down and this is metaphoric, not for real, but it's like when it, when your opponent's house is burning down, I think there's a lot of times where you see your opponent reaping the consequences of their own actions. Mm. And, um, you know, if we're actually going to be competitive against our opponents, I would say, because I think, yeah, I was thinking of this more in a competitive mindset. And I think the morning moment you start putting gasoline on the fire, like that's another thing I hate to watch. 
is like when people okay. are like, oh yeah, let's burn it more. Let's burn it more. And it's like, okay, now I'm bothered by you again. Okay. Like yeah, I can see your on. ego kind of chiming in and you're enjoying this a bit too much. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you just let them do their thing, let them right. figure it out themselves. I don't know. Honestly, I would say if your opponent's house is burning down, they probably don't want your help anyways. I think that. Yeah. Or at least and... that's what I tell myself when I don't <laughs> help. It's like they wouldn't want me to help them anyway. Or would I go help them to be like, look how good I am. Like, I don't even like this person and I'm going to go help, you know, motive. Oh, man. I Okay. I think it was, was it Benjamin Franklin? It might've been Benjamin Franklin, but he said that like, if you want someone to be on your side, let them do a favor for you. Uh-huh. Okay. And I think it's the Benjamin Franklin rule. I might be misquoting, but it's like, so it's like this idea that like, get someone, ask somebody for help mm-hmm. and then you'll be friends for life. But if you help someone else, they feel like they're indebted to you and there's actually not the right kind of relationship to be friends. Mm, okay. But it's like, if you flip it and you say, Hey, can you help me with this? I'm like, that's a good way to manipulate people. So that if you want to manipulate people, Coolio. <laughs> um, Jay Warner, Warner Wallace. I don't know how long ago this was, but he was on a podcast called the reverse podcast. And he said, nonfiction writing is like, being in a covered band. I thought that was really interesting. So it's like if I'm an author and instead of writing a novel of stuff I made up, I'm actually writing based on You're recounting. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm basically Ah. the equivalent of a cover band, which for me as a creative, I'm just like, oh, I don't like (laughs) cover bands. I don't want to be in a cover band. I want to be an original artist. Yeah. And so it makes me like, because I'm more prone to read nonfiction because I'm like, I want to learn something. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's like fiction is next level. I'm learning. I've had this discussion with people several times. Okay. It's like fiction is next level because these these people aren't just writing something that they already saw. They're writing Mm -hmm. something that's actually created from their mind. And a lot of Good. times, too, you can become more metaphoric in your language <laughs> and open up new portals of understanding. Ooh, mm. I like how psychedelic I that like sounded. that. <laughs> I, I don't read a ton of fiction, but I read two huge fiction books in the past, like, six or eight weeks. And they've oh, yeah. both been great. Like, I finally read Stephen King's It, and it was oh, okay. could have done with some editing for sure, but it was great. <laughs> and then... um. I read his book, 112253, I think. And it's not creepy, but it it was the best. I loved it. It was such a good building of this world and this story. And it never got boring. And um, it's just a lot of really interesting elements. It wasn't what I expect, expected at all. And I loved it. And I was like, okay maybe I do like fiction maybe I should maybe I'm just reading the wrong kind of fiction like maybe this was more interesting but it was fascinating I loved it um but for the most part I tend to do just I don't know what they're like memoirs and essays and stuff like that I really go for nonfiction more but uh, the idea that it's like the cover band or it's not like creative writing 
I don't like that. I mean, it's it a is really a recount. interesting way of looking at it, anyways. Because, like, I like for me, it's like I need to be challenged okay. to take yeah. fiction more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we're out of time. I think it's been a been a bit. It's been All a right. bit. Also, my doorbell rang, but I'm assuming that's uh, Amazon. So probably. But so much fun. I am learning to slow down on my days off. Good. And so I'm trying to do kind of like every second week or I guess it's every fourth week. Okay. I guess every podcast is going to be like once a month, but whatever. All right. I'll have a lot to talk about. I got to do what I got to do. I got to, you know, it's like it's slowing down to a level where it's like I can actually process, you know, my thoughts and Mm -hmm. process my emotions. Yeah. And I think that's where I need to be right now. And it's like, it's so easy to adopt a pace that's faster than that. And so that's been what I'm learning right now. Even if it's just for now, it doesn't have to be that speed forever. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you. Always Always a a joy. All right. And thank you, listener, for listening. Listener. thank you for listening to add masterminds we would love to keep you updated on what we're up to as well as share some hilarious memes we'd also like to hear from you like us on facebook Follow us on Twitter and Instagram.